0: Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. We're seeing Jesus as through the eyes of Matthew, who, of course, was a, a tax collector. And, and yet, uh, he presents Jesus Christ as the King of the Jews the Messiah and the Savior. In fact, that's what we see in the book. As you look all the way through the Gospel of Matthew, we see Jesus coming to the Jewish people, presenting himself as the Messiah and the Savior. This morning, we come to one of the most famous passages in the Bible, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus goes up up on the side of a, a long, sloping hill, and he teaches his disciples, but there's a big crowd there, so everybody hears what he's saying. In this portion of the Word, Jesus teaches his disciples the principles "...involved in righteous living." That's one way to say it. The section sometimes is misunderstood. There's some people who say, well, no, 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 none of this in here is for us. That's only for the kingdom. When, when Jesus comes as the king and sets up his kingdom on the earth, that's what this is. Oh, other people say, no, 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 it's only for a, a, just a real short time period. Some people say, well, no, it's only for the church age, which is what we're in now, even though they weren't in the church age when he taught this. So how does it all fit together?" Well, in the weeks to come we're going to be going through it verse by verse of course and passage by passage and what we see is we see that Jesus Christ is is presenting as is Jesus Christ the king of Israel presenting his platform for those who belong to the kingdom. In other words, he's basically saying this is how you live. If you belong to me, if you belong to the king, if you're in the kingdom, if you have eternal life, if you're a righteous person, meaning if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. And so he's going to talk about all of those things, and we'll see it as we go through it. I've been telling people this is a hard passage. And when I say hard, the whole thing is hard. There's some places. The Beatitudes, just to begin with, the very starting part, the Beatitudes, we'll just touch on the first one this morning, they're pretty hard when you look at them. What do they mean? How do they fit? And then we're going to see a lot of information there. So we'll look at it as we go through. Well, most of you know we just had elections. The candidates were telling us what they're going to do, and then the people got elected. Now we're going to see if they're going to do what they told us they were going to do. But when we studied the Gospel of Matthew... And if you have your little card, you may not have it with you, but uh, this little card that we have out front, if you hadn't picked it up yet, it just basically gives you the overview of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, On one side, it gives you all the information, and on the flip side, it gives you actually the outline. And if you had this in your hand, you look at it, we're at the part called the platform of the king. Now, normally when somebody says the platform, we think about, okay, this is what the king's going to do. But the platform of the king doesn't deal with what he's going to do. It basically deals with how people are supposed to live. Jesus' platform is a platform dealing with lifestyle. This platform proclaims the lifestyle of those in the kingdom. So, how do we live, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, how do we live in a fallen world? And we're going to see this. This is what we're calling the platform. Jesus proclaimed this message. And it's much different than the religious leader's message. I want you to think about this. The religious leaders, when they give a message, they talked about the external. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this on the Sabbath, you have to do this, you got this. There were 613 laws under the Mosaic law. And that's not even counting all the ones that they made up, that they added to it. So religious leader's message was external. It was what you do, so to speak, letter of the law. But Jesus' message is internal, it's attitudes, it's actions, it's how we think and how we live. And, and what's amazing, we'll see it as we go through, Jesus will say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Because the religious leaders taught certain things, but Jesus said, that's really not right. And we're gonna, it's amazing how off they were. In fact, we talked about it in our grow group just this morning because we were talking about going to look at the passage. Uh, religion is man trying to do something to get to God. And religion's always off. It's always off badly. Religion has always works, and religion is always a set of rules. And we're going to see that even the Sermon on the Mount is not a set of rules. And we're going to see what this lifestyle is and so as we look at Matthew five six and seven we call it the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot there. Let me just do this for you. This is the outline that I have in your bulletin, and it's basically the very first part of the of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's called I just put it the subjects of the kingdom. Uh, we're going to look at the character. That's the Beatitudes. We're just going to get started in that this morning, and then we're going to see the influence. The influence of those who are living righteously in the fallen world, and we're going to see that. We're going to get uh, background. We're going to put it all together now. As I said earlier, this portion of Scripture is often misunderstood. How do we as members of the body of Christ, how do we as the members of the church, how does this message fit in for us? Because when Jesus gave this message, there wasn't a church. In fact, Jesus was going to have about three years of ministry after this. He's going to die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again three days later, walk on the earth for 40 days, ascend into heaven, and then 10 days after that, in other words, 50 days after his resurrection, the church begins. So this message is not to the church. Church hadn't started yet. And so some people could say, well, is it just to the Jews? Well, we'll look at it and see who, who is it to? How is it to? Best we can tell, it's to believers of all time and always. And so we're going to find this. The first nine or those first few verses, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, they're called Beatitudes. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a, it, there's a lot there. There's a lot that we can look at. So let me give you some background and review. Okay, We saw the background of the king, which was in chapter 1, where they gave uh, the lineage of Jesus Christ, showing that he was a descendant of David and Abraham, and that he was the king of, king of the Jews. And then we saw him, his birth, and we saw how he was protected as the wise men came, and uh, Jesus was taken off into Egypt and protected. And then we saw him come back, and then about 25 years passed, and suddenly Jesus is 30 years old, and he goes out to John the Baptist and gets baptized, showing that he's identifying with mankind. And then we saw his temptation, where he went out into the wilderness and the devil tried to make him go contrary to the Father's plan. And then we saw, a, just a quick thing last time, his ministry. And verse 23 of chapter 4 says, Jesus was going through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, that's one part, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, that's number two, and healing every kind of disease. That was his, his ministry. That's how, that was a summary of what he was doing. And we talked about this. I didn't bring a, a map this time, but you remember this is all in northern Israel. Israel divided into three parts. The southern part is Judea, the middle part Samaria, and the northern part is Galilee. Jesus spent almost all of his time in the northern part. His headquarters originally he grew up in Nazareth, but he changed his headquarters to Capernaum, which is on the Sea of Galilee. Because he's a Jewish male, and because Jesus kept the law perfectly, three times a year, every Jewish male had to come to Jerusalem for a particular feast. So Jesus came to Jerusalem at least three times. He came more than that, but he had to come at least three times a year. So we're going to be seeing that as we go through the passages. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 are called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the book of Matthew has three big discourses that we're looking at. In fact, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Look at this. Three discourses. The Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's lifestyle of believers. In chapter 13, we'll get to it. It's called the Mystery Parables. The whole chapter is a parable and, parable and another parable and another parable and another parable and another parable. And you're going, that's all he's going to talk about. Yeah, it is. And we're going to see how that fits. It all deals with possibly the church. We'll talk about that. And then in chapters 24 and 25, which is an incredible passage in the Bible, Jesus actually talks about. The, the tribulation, about the time in which uh, there'll be the Antichrist coming and the pr- problems in the world and the second coming to Jesus and all that. So he actually teaches all that, and we'll see that in Matthew 24 and 25. This passage and this 5, 6, and 7 is how we live as believers in a fallen world. How do we get to heaven? By faith. How do we live the Christian life? By faithfulness, realizing that we live in God's power. The Sermon on the Mount of the principles of how we live. Now, let me help you understand something, because I didn't grasp all this for a long time, and then when when you start seeing it and it puts together, it helps. There's a thing called the moral law of God. The moral law of God is the rights and wrongs all throughout the Bible. There's always been things right and wrong. In the Bible, now the very first thing that was right or wrong was in the garden when God came to Adam and Eve basically and told them, "You can eat from all the trees in the garden, but of the tree in the middle, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, can't eat." Out of all the rights and wrongs, there were all a bunch of rights and only one wrong. After the fall. They begin to realize that there were rights and wrongs you don 't murder you don 't steal you don 't commit adultery you don 't as mankind lived there. and so there are rights and wrongs all throughout the scriptures called the moral law of God now, as we look at this passage because he 's going to talk about moral lifestyle, how we live. I want to raise a couple of questions. First of all, to whom was this message addressed? Who was this written to? Or who is it was addressed when Jesus taught it? And then what is meant by law or the law? Because you've heard me say many, many times, we're not under the Mosaic law. We have never been under the Mosaic law. So what about moral law? How does that fit? How does this go? So we're going to see it. And so let me let's start with verse. To whom is it addressed? Who, who is, who's to whom is it addressed? Who's he writing to? Look at chapter five. Look at verse one. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. Who is he teaching in this passage? Who is it? The disciples. Now, there's a crowd all around. Listen, when Jesus taught, he a lot of times taught his men, but there were other people. They would come up and listen. They wanted to hear what he had to say. He was famous. As he walked around, he was a famous, he was a famous teacher. We're going to find already that by this time, according to the Gospel of Luke, he's already picked the, the 12 disciples. Matthew doesn't tell us this. All we saw back in chapter uh, four, chapters three and four, was basically he chose four people. But by now, according to the Gospel of Luke, he's already got all of his disciples, and he's teaching them. Now, I guarantee you that he's teaching, but all these people are listening. Okay, he's teaching his disciples and how it fits and, and, and all of this. The context is near the Sea of Galilee, most likely. Uh, there is a church... Uh, in Israel, in northern Israel, which is built there, in fact, in Israel, there are all kind of churches, all kind of places. There's a church called the Multiplication of the Bread, and they think that was the place where Jesus fed the 5,000. There's also another church where they think he gave the Sermon on the Mount. It's near Capernaum. It's in that area. So uh, the, nobody knows exactly where this was, but most believe that it was near Capernaum. And so he's teaching them how believers live And and so they're all gathered around, the crowd's listening. The second thing is, what what did we mean by law? He's not going to talk about law so much in here, except he gets a little further down and says, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill the law, and we'll talk about that. Well, what do we mean by law? Well, anytime you hear the word law, you immediately think, or most people think, of the Mosaic law. And the Mosaic law had 613 commandments, and God gave it to the Jewish people when they came out of Egypt. There were three parts to the law. There was a moral code, which was the Ten Commandments. Then there were the ordinances and sacrifices, which had to do with priesthood and feast days and all those things. And then there were what they called the judgments, which was a social code, the food they could eat, the clothes they could wear, all those kind of things. That was called the Mosaic law. Now, we're not talking about Mosaic law. We're talking about moral law, which is the rights and wrongs at all times. And we're going to see that righteous living, the moral law, has always existed. I want you to understand, from Adam and Eve to Moses, there was no Mosaic law. But there was a moral code that there's only one God, and you don't murder, and you don't steal, and there are rights and wrongs. Then under the Mosaic law, the Mosaic law was from Moses until Christ, till the death of Christ. And there was that part I just showed you. And then after the Mosaic law, after Jesus died on the cross, we're not under the Mosaic law. But we are under law. And let me tell you what I mean. We call it the moral law. And sometimes in the New Testament, it is called the law of Christ or the law of love. And so if you've ever studied the Bible and you'll see something that'll say the law of Christ, you go, what does that mean? The law of Christ is the moral rights and wrongs all throughout the Bible. So when people say we're not under the Mosaic Law, we're not, we never have been, but there is a code, a moral code of rights and wrongs that has always existed. Now I want to show you something. They tried to trick Jesus. This is another part of the the book. But they came to him one time and they said, we're going to fool him. And they came to him and they said, tell us out of all these 613 commandments, which is the most important commandment?
1: They asked Jesus that.
0: And they thought they had him. Because if he said, well, do this, they'd say, well, what about this one? They thought they had him. So what did he say to them? He said this. They said, teacher, which is the great commandment in in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. In other words, there's another one that matches it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends the law and the prophets, bottom line, love God and love others. The moral law goes back to the fast. that's why it's called the law of Christ or the law of love. It is you love others. Now, Jesus even made it more specific in the Gospel of John. He said, love others as I have loved you. That's called the moral code, the moral law. So you want to live morally? you want to know how to live as a believer, wherever you are, whatever time, is to love God and love others. To love others as God has loved you. And that's how we touch lives for Jesus Christ. It's not a code system like here's all these rules. There are going to be certain things that we know are right and wrong. But if we love God and love others, that's the moral code that we're going to see. The Sermon on the Mount deals with a moral code, loving God and loving others. Now remember, righteous living... Uh, And the moral moral code does not save anyone. We're not saved by keeping rules and laws and those things. We're saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. So you can't be saved. That's why in Galatians 2.16, he says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the... The law, the law the law system, the moral code, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me give you just, and it may be a little too small because I haven't looked at it, but this may be a little too small, an uh, outline of the Sermon on the Mount, so you can't read it, but I want to show you something. To just he, we're, we're right here, the subjects, and he's going to talk about our character and influence, and then he's going to start talking about the moral law, and he's going to say that Jesus fulfills all the law whether it's Mosaic law or moral law, he always fulfills it. Then he says the, the improper view of the law by the Pharisees and how they viewed murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and reconciliation and love and all that. And then Jesus says, you have heard this, but I'll tell you this. Then he talked about how they practiced law, how they gave, how they prayed, how they fasted, all this. He's going to show you how to do that. You know, let me just show you an example. Under giving, How did the Pharisees give? Do you know how they gave They went into the temple, and there were these big jars in which you put money in. When they got ready to give, they had people blow trumpets. So everybody would look at them, and they would put their money in. That's how they gave. So everybody could see they giving. Jesus said, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You don't announce to people what you give. Jesus taught, same thing on prayer, same thing on fasting. He get, so, and then finally, the very last part is the proper view of the law. And he, he talks about prayer and righteousness and all those kind of things. So we're going to see that. That's the that's Sermon on the Mount. And if you want to, I'll kind of, maybe I'll get a handout or something that, that will be the, the whole thing at one time. But I just wanted you to, to see that part. We're at the very, very beginning. Verses 1 through 9 is the description of the character of those. They call it the Beatitudes. Now, as we start, uh, I want you to think about Jesus' ministry. He did these three things. I mentioned it a while ago in Matthew 4, 23 through 30. uh, It's supposed to be 23 through 25. He was teaching, preaching, preaching. And healing, that's the three things that he did. Jesus was going through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, that's the preaching of giving the gospel out, and then healing, that was uh, meeting the people's needs. As he's doing that ministry, he goes up on the side of a hill, his disciples follow him, and he sits down and he begins to teach them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now he's going about teaching and proclaiming, and the crowds begin to follow him, and he sees the multitude. So he goes up this long hill. Don't picture a mountain like, you know, in Colorado Mountain type. Picture a long, sloping hill, and, and they went up, and, and, uh, and, and notice he sat down, and his disciples came to him. I was teasing uh, uh, earlier, and we talked, you know, because a lot of times when Jesus would teach, he would sit down, and everybody else would stand. So I've been thinking about maybe sitting right here and having y'all stand the whole time because that's what, how he did it, but I, I'm not Jesus. So anyway, we'll just go back. But, but in that day and time, oftentimes, the rabbi would sit down and the students would stand. That's how they did it. Well, Jesus comes and he sits down. Now, my guess is that all the people sit down. And my guess is that even the disciples sit down because they're on the side of a hill. There's just people everywhere And he begins to teach them. Notice, Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. As I said earlier, all that we know in the Gospel of Matthew is that James and John and Peter and Andrew, that's who we know. But if you go to the Gospel of Luke, he's already spent a night in prayer and has come out, and picture this, he's come out and he said, Peter, Andrew... James John Matthew Matthias and Simon he chose 12 of them and he said sit over here and they sit down he sits down to teach these 12 now there are other people there other people had been following him so there they are what does he say he opened his mouth and began to teach them saying the way it's written in the greek it's ongoing it says he was teaching them And so, as you notice, if you have a Bible like mine, it has the writings of Jesus, the words of Jesus in red. If you start turning the pages, you've got all of chapter 5, all of chapter 6, and all of chapter 7. That's all in red. Jesus is teaching. And so, for the next while, we're going to see what was Jesus saying. What did he teach them? Notice what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Of heaven. Now, he's got seven or eight things right here which are called the Beatitudes because they start with the word blessed. And it has that idea of, 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 of blessing or happiness or joy. That's what it actually means. Notice verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those, Verse 5, Blessed are those who are gentle. Verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 7, Blessed are the merciful. Verse 8, Blessed are the pure. Verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. And he goes on. And so as we're seeing this, uh, every uh, one of these Beatitudes has three parts to it. There's a blessing, a description, and a promise. Here's the blessing, bl- verse 3. Blessed, that's the blessing, are the poor in spirit, that's the description, and here's the promise. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you go down every one of the Beatitudes, there's the blessing, there is the description, and there is the promise. Now, I want to show you something that you might not have ever seen. Verse 3 is present tense. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verses 4 through 9 are future tense. Blessed are the gentle, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall. They're all future tense. And then verse 10 is past tense. Look at verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. So I just want you to see that this idea here is when we see these, there's some things for right now, and there's some things for the future. And we'll see how it fits together. Let's look at the first one this morning, and we'll stop, okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is, present tense, the kingdom of God. Of heaven. Now, the word blessed means happy. It means divine favor. It says there's great favor for those who are poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is, present tense, the kingdom of heaven. What, what does it mean poor in spirit? I mean, they're blessed because they're poor in spirit. What does poor in spirit mean? It means poverty, bankrupt in a spiritual aspect. And what we see is that blessed are those who realize that they are spiritually bankrupt, and they need God, and they need His help. The truth is, we are spiritually needy. All of us, before we trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, we realized we were sinners, and we fall short of God's glory, and we had to depend only on Jesus Christ, that in ourselves we cannot make it. We're sinners, and we need a Savior. See, the opposite of this is pride. And so when he says, blessed are those of poor in spirit, he's saying, happy are those who realize they can't make it on their own. Happy are those who realize they can't be good enough to get to God. Happy are those who realize that you're bankrupt and you need a Savior. I want to tell you a story and we're going to see it. We'll see it. Uh, we'll probably touch on it. But in Luke chapter 18, two men go to the temple to worship. One of them, is a tax collector, and this is how he comes to the temple. And one of them is a Pharisee, and this is how he comes to the temple. And the Pharisee says, Thank you, Lord, I'm here. And I thank you, Lord, I'm not like that man over there. And this is how that man over there was. He said, Because I don't steal, and I don't rob, and I take care of all my stuff. Almost what he was saying is, aren't you glad I'm here? And the man over here said, oh, Lord, I'm bankrupt. I come to you with nothing. Have mercy on my soul. And Jesus, who tells the story, says, which one of these two men went down justified? Not the religious guy. Not the guy who came in pride. Not the guy who said, here's what I have done. But the guy who came and said, I need a savior. I'm not good enough on my own. Every one of us in this room, if you have eternal life, it's not because you said to God, aren't you glad I'm here and I've really worked hard and I've tried to keep all the laws and I've tried to keep all the rules and I think I've done a pretty good job. Is that how you got to God? No, that's not how you got to God. You came to God and you said, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of the glory of God. I understand Jesus died for me. There's nothing in myself that I could ever do to gain salvation. I I trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Happy is the one who's poor in spirit. When you realize there's nothing in yourself, there is nothing in ourselves, that or nothing that we can do to gain God's favor, we are bankrupt. And Jesus said, the person who realizes they're poor in spirit and needs a Savior, they're the ones that, that are in the kingdom. In it's present tense. The moment you realize you need the Savior Jesus and you trust in him, you're in the kingdom. we, We always talk about heaven. Jewish people talked about kingdom. One of these days, Jesus is going to come as the king of kings and he's going to sit up and rule on this earth for a thousand years and you'll be, by faith in Christ, you'll be in that kingdom. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Recognize we don't have anything on our own that we can present to God and say, what do you think? Is that good enough? We're not good enough. We never have been good enough. When a person realizes they cannot save themselves, they come to the Savior that is being spiritually bankrupt, poor in spirit, and when they come to Christ, they have eternal life and are in the kingdom. This is putting our faith in Christ, realizing that we need a Savior. I hope and pray that every one of us in this room, that you recognize the fact that you are a sinner, I'm a sinner. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We cannot measure up. There's nothing in ourselves that we can present to God and say, I've done all these things. We come to God and we say, we can never do it. We're never good enough. One sin separates us. We've fallen short of your glory. We need a Savior. We're bankrupt in spirit. We're poor in spirit. We come to Jesus. He's our Savior. We trust in Him. That's how you have eternal life, and that's how you're in the kingdom. What do we see? Jesus brings together the disciples to teach them lifestyle, righteous living. He deals with the moral law and the very first thing of the Beatitudes, and this is happy, this is how a person, and this, is, this is what's going to happen. We're going to see some great things because we're going to see what happens. When we mourn? What happens when we're gentle? What happens when we hunger and thirst after righteousness? What happens when we're pure at heart? What happens when we're peacemaker? What happens when we're persecuted as we stand for Christ? We'll see those to come. So applications. Let's understand the aspects of law. Remember there's the mosaic law, but there's a moral code and a moral law that has been throughout the whole Bible which is the rights and wrongs. Have an understanding, let's have an understanding of how the sermon on the mount fits together. It's the platform of the king, how believers are to live as those who belong to the king. As for us now, and and as we read it, there's some things we'll go, wow, how does that fit? And and some of it is going to be hard to put it together. You know, Jesus. when Jesus taught, there are times that he taught and people went, what does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean? And we're going to look at some things and we're going to go, what does that mean? But he taught it, and we're going to look at it, and we see that this is the platform, how we live. And the third thing is let's proclaim clearly God's way of entering the kingdom. We realize that we're bankrupt, and we need a Savior. That's called poor in spirit, and we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. I hope and pray everyone in this room that you know Christ as Savior. If you don't, right where you're sitting right now, you can put your faith in Christ as your Savior. You can understand that you're bankrupt, that you can't do it. You're not good enough to get to God. You can't be good. In fact, you've, you've sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus has already died for you and paid for sins and rose again, and he's offering you a gift, the gift of eternal life. And you... For in spirit, say, Lord, I take the gift of eternal life because there's nothing I can do on my own. I receive the gift. I hope and pray that for anyone. If you ever have a question, come see me. I'll be glad to go over it and make it more clear if possible.